welcome to the Amplifying Scientific Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sophia Onoye Onye, founder and CEO of the Sophia Consulting Firm, a life science marketing and communications consultancy that was established in New York City with the goal of amplifying scientific innovation. The goal of this podcast is to showcase scientific innovation stemming from global life science companies prior to and following COVID-19 from the perspectives of founders, CEOs, and other senior executives who are working on the development of transformative life-saving solutions for patients. My guest today is Dr. Bijan Almasian, co-founder, president, and CEO, and board director of Carrigen Corporation, a leader in the development of immunotherapy vaccines. Bijan is also the founder and chairman of Ariana Neurosciences, an Alzheimer's drug development company. His diverse experience in the life science industry includes roles of increasing responsibility in biotechnology R&D operations, project management, and alliance management in startup and mid-sized life science companies. He holds an MS and PhD in medicinal chemistry from Northeastern University and Massachusetts College of Pharmacy, respectively, and was an NIH postdoctoral fellow at the Boston University Medical School. Bijan and I connected through the BioCT community based on our mutual backgrounds and interest in medicinal chemistry and, of course, the state of Connecticut. Moreover, I was intrigued by Carrigen Corporation's plan to repurpose its video platform for COVID-19 prevention. Welcome to the show, Bijan. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure <laughs> to meet uh, your guest. Okay, I'm happy to have you here. So let's go ahead and get the ball rolling. I would that love to good. know, <laughs> what is your definition of scientific innovation? Really continuous effort to make uh, uh, in our uh, uh, business, uh, we develop uh, drugs. Our continuous efforts to make our drugs safer, uh, more potent and also cost-effective. Mm -hmm. In regard to our platform, as you indicated, this is a video, is an artificial virus that was developed at the Yale School of Medicine mm -hmm. by one of the pioneers in the field of biology, Professor Jack Rose, um, it, who also is a co-founder of the company and also chairman of the Scientific Advisory Board. The, basically, what we're trying to do to apply um, and, and try to come up the, the best way we can to enable the technologies. As you see that we have developed a portfolio of products, immunotherapies for hepatitis B virus infection, uh, potentially for functional cure. Mm -hmm. We're also expanding in immuno-oncology. We're collaborating with the University of Connecticut, uh, working on uh, developing a, a product uh, potentially for uh, colorectal cancer. We're also doing uh, additional work with the Wayne State University that uh, we're working on ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. As you see also, we're involved with the development of vaccine for COVID-19 with Professor Jack Rose at Yale. That is wonderful. Thank you for sharing those insights. And thinking a little bit more philosophically, what yes. is your most notable accomplishment before you became a CEO? Really, it was, it, in my case, it has been incremental. I started my career in Boston when I was a graduate student uh, as, a, as a basically a, a part-time dishwasher in a chemical <laughs> company. I don't think you can go lower than that. It's a career that started at baseline. Uh, during the graduate school, I also continued in that company, and they promoted me. Uh, actually, they felt that I could do a better job than a dishwasher. So <laughs> a bit more responsibility. 
and then I finished my PhD. I worked in in uh, in the field of biotechnology and uh, biochemistry. That's where I got uh, really I got acquainted with the uh, with the biotechnology. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been really an incremental increase in the level of my responsibility and my drive to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, my background is a little bit different than many other CEOs. I come from a manufacturing background and and then expanded uh, to the discovery as well as took on responsibility of the clinical and regulatory. Uh, as you see, I've worked in seven uh, private and public companies over the last 30 years with increasing responsibility. So I feel that I have learned a number of different skills that any really CEO needs to, uh, to, to have. Uh, especially in biotechnology, you need to understand the science very strongly and understand the different aspects of the drug development mm -hmm. in, in order to be able to recruit the right people, mm -hmm. right uh, senior management, as well as board of directors and scientific advisory board. So it, my career has been really incremental increase in my level of responsibility and knowledge over years. Yeah, extremely well said. I'm very proud of that, uh, your journey, and it's good to see you where you are today. It's, it's really exemplary. And, and so now I'm curious, I mean, we, we alluded to it earlier about their video platform. So can you give us like a top line overview of potential or ongoing work that may be related to immunotherapy and, and or anti-infectives? Uh, absolutely. As you well know, uh, viruses have been uh, around for decades. Uh, uh, different companies, different academic laboratories have used viruses and delivery system for, uh, as a vaccine uh, for immunotherapies. Uh, viruses are known that they're oncolytic. They are specifically destroy cancer cells. Uh, so the, what a video is is basically a hybrid of two different viruses. Mm. It has the properties of viruses, but it also lacks the part of the viruses that makes them uh, relatively unsafe. Mm. The part that is good about this virus, its ability, or this artificial virus, which we call Avidia, which stands for artificial virus for infectious diseases as and immuno-oncology, it's basically its ability to deliver multiple armaments, multiple warheads, mm -hmm. and that's double. The other thing is ability to be given as prime boost. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot of viruses, if you give it only once, uh, that's the, the body develops neutralizing antibody, you can only give it once. You cannot give it as a boost. Right. So this is another ability of the our platform. Over years, we have basically have tested our capacity of this uh, a video. It mm -hmm. can be used as prophylactic for vaccines like mm -hmm. COVID-19. It also could be used as immunotherapy for cancer. Mm -hmm. You can load it uh, to deliver proteins of interest like a cytokines. Mm -hmm. For colorectal cancer, we're using IL-12 as an anti-tumor agent to be delivered by the same uh, VLV. Uh, VLV or a video has tremendous potential in the field of immuno-oncology because also you can Add additional DNA sequence for the shRNA knocking down PDL1. As you know, PDL1 is a wonderful target, mm -hmm. and a number of products that have, have been approved for PDL1 mm -hmm. uh, antibodies against the PDL1 or PD1. What we do is uh, we basically uh, build our artificial virus in such a way that we take the genetic codes uh, mm -hmm. to 
silence the genes of interest for the PDL1. Instead of neutralizing antibody, we silence the production of the, the PDL1 or PD1. So that's another advantage of that. Basically, we use our VLB vector to work like a cocktails of different agents, working through multiple mechanisms of actions. And that's something that a lot of other virus-based vaccines or virus-based platforms have limitations. Yeah, this is great. It seems to me that Carogen really is at the forefront of innovation, especially given all the talks that we currently know around personalized medicine being sort of the future of medicine. So thank you for that. I think that even some scientists will be intrigued by all the great words that you use PDL one and I'm sure they'll go to Google afterwards to find out what exactly does that mean. But I think you've done a good job of, you know, describing a technology that is quite complex, but it's very impactful. Um, thank you. No, you're welcome. So now that we've covered the technical stuff, I'm very curious to know about COVID-19. How has that changed the way you approach work internally? Really, this is an opportunity. We looked at it because uh, our, our co-founder, Professor Rose, developed a vaccine in 2004, SARS. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, uh, Dr. Rose developed the VSV platform, which is the total whole virus that has been used uh, broadly in, 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 in industry. Mm -hmm. And also the VSV is a, it's a platform that has been used for uh, developing Ebola vaccine. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Rose has tremendous experience in this, uh, in this area. Mm -hmm. And the VLV is one of his, his uh, invention. And VLV offers um, properties and characteristics and flexibility that other or space like his own VSV doesn't. So we took the advantage of that. We, we thought this is a great opportunity for us to basically develop this vaccine, COVID-19, because it's urgently needed. And mm -hmm. potentially this platform offers uh, properties that the other have limitations, uh, like uh, even the, the ones that they already went to clinical trial. And in fact, the data just came in a few days back. Uh, while they were enthusiastic about moving forward, and they made a lot of uh, a lot of news, and also they captured on the financial situation and increased their value of the company. But also, it looks like this virus is not an easy uh, uh, easy to develop a quick and fast vaccines. So, mm -hmm. what we offer as a platform, we uh, potentially offer the uh, uh, abilities that. Uh, overcome the shortage of or the, the deficiencies of the other uh, platforms. Mm. For example, messenger RNA used by Moderna is one of the front runners in the vaccines mm -hmm. and they have shown immunogenicities, uh, but uh, the, based on the data, it looks like immunogenicity is, is good, in, oh. in, but it is not very high. So depending on really that it's a uh, you know, as well, you know, that the immunogenicity, it's, it's definitely, is good news, but how long this immunogenicity is going to last? Right. As the patients require second injection, third injection, fourth mm -hmm. immunization, and does this uh, uh, immune response last for six months, nine months, 12 months? Mm -hmm. The thing that we have, our platform induces both antibodies as well as T-cells, which T-cells mm -hmm. definitely helps in terms of the immunization. The other thing, that our um, platform is capable of, this virus expresses multiple antigens, mm -hmm. the, the COVID-19. Mm -hmm. S which stands for a spike, it's a major one. Mm -hmm. However, there are other proteins that could be player in terms of long-term immunogenicity of the vaccine. Mm -hmm. 
our platform Avidio has the ability to deliver with multiple antigens. So mm. when you deliver multiple antigens, you you induce multiple antibodies, and also you potentially induce multiple T cells. The broader uh, immunogenicity is spectrum activity, but potentially the better protection. That is wonderful. I, I think that your responsiveness to this urgent public health crisis is something that is quite remarkable. And thank you for the education. I, I think a lot of our viewers will find that very helpful. Now, what about corporate social responsibility? How, how has that changed for your company as a result of the pandemic? Well, it has made us to work harder because we see the need for the, for the, this such a vaccine. Mm -hmm. Frankly, our team is working to, to almost uh, nonstop. Mm -hmm. uh, we our operation has not been a stop because we work on COVID nineteen. Even though the majority of laboratories working on other discoveries have been shutting down over the last few months, our team has been working uh, uh, constantly to make sure that we we uh, select a clinical candidate. Uh, and, and take it to the, the, the filing the FDA and hopefully into the clinic within the next six to seven months. That's wonderful. So let's get philosophical for a little bit. Um, so when you think broadly, what are some key consideration factors that you think will be integral for sustaining innovation in the life science industry? I think the, the CEOs as they are, you have to be innovative, otherwise you become uh, even the most successful companies in the world. We know what happened to the GE, we know what happened to IBM, right. the companies that they were the shining stars on the hill, right now they are not shining anymore, unfortunately, because they forgot to be innovative. Mm -hmm. got to see the future. Mm -hmm. I think the majority of the biotech uh, uh, CEOs are innovative. They mm -hmm. think into the future. We certainly do that every day, every the moment we take, uh, we look at this, how we can improve on the evadeal. We need what sort of expertise we need and how we can achieve that, how we can get that as being a very small biotech with limited resources. Right. One of the one of the basically resources is academic laboratories. Mm -hmm. If you have a sound technology, which we think we do, mm -hmm. uh, the, the investigators and academic prof professors who are experts in, in your area, they will be willing to help you out, even okay. sometimes without even asking for funding. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what is happening with collaboration with, um, with colorectal cancer, with, you, with ovarian cancer, Wayne State University. We just started discussing potential working on liver cancer. Dr. Jack Wands at Brown University, who is an opinion leader in that field. And as you see, we're also looking at COVID-19 right. um, uh, and, and developing the one. So it's a... Our, our business model is really keep our core competency management team in place. Mm -hmm. That's what we've done. We have brought on board a highly experienced management team. If you look, I'm sure you, you must have looked at our website. Right. All of us have worked in industry at least a minimum 20 years. One of the greatest achievements of our, um, uh, I think our achievement has been to build a team which is diverse. We're mm -hmm. 10 people from seven countries in the world. <laughs> very, very unique. That's wonderful. So I'm a Nigerian American and I always appreciate the immigrant story. I think that that really showcases innovation across the board. So thank you for sharing that. Now, 
Uh, is there any technology or company that you're currently excited about? And it's okay if it's your own technology, it's fine. No, there are a lot of exciting, in fact, in, in, uh, in Connecticut, we're at the very good nation, thanks to UConn and Yale, uh, Jack, Jackson Laboratories. There are a lot of talents, a lot of novel ideas. And answer, as you will know, there are a lot of novel, but also very uh, sort of a focused. Right. And, and fortunately, cancer is requires broader um, vision mm -hmm. uh, because it's one simple pathway developing a cancer, developing a drug for a cancer. And that's why, unfortunately, most of the immunotherapies and drug for cancer either work or they work in a small percentage of the population. Look at even this antibodies that the Bristol-Myers-Squibb and Merck is selling, PDL one mm -hmm. antibodies, they are very popular. They work only 20 to 30% of the patients, but we are dealing with two major variables. One is a tumor, is the disease. Right. The location, the stage, the right. rigidity, the environment, all of those different from one cancer to the another one. And there also is the therapy. If you give immunotherapy inject injected to the patient, does it get to the tumor? Does mm -hmm. it get into basically where it needs to go? Is that pathway is sufficient to completely block? Mm -hmm. We're addressing all of those questions in one platform, Sophia, which is called a video. Right. The media is oncolytic. So what it does, it basically lyses the tumor cells. When you lyses a tumor cell, you change the environment. You basically open up the pathway for T cells to get in. Right. And above that, we're also including SHRNA for PDL1. PDL1 basically is a it's a basically control on the on the immune system to not overshoot or undershoot. So you, what it does is basically inhibits the T cells from doing what it's supposed to do, which is killing cancer cells. Mm -hmm. So by knocking down that PDL1, you basically open up the pathway for T, T cells mm -hmm. to start killing the whatever is left of the lysed cells in the cancer. So mm -hmm. basically looking at the broadest spectrum activity within the same system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is really good stuff. I think that immuno-oncology, it's like this puzzle and we continue to unravel it each day. So thank you for sharing that. Now, for some advice, I think that you probably have some. So how would your advice for a new biotech CEO coming into the market today be different uh, versus you know, pre-COVID-19? I think first, you, you must have the passion for what you do. The, 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 you go through definitely hardship Mm -hmm. Sometimes you question yourself and your own sanity. Your family has started complaining that what the heck are you doing to us at this stage? <laughs> uh, certainly my kids tell me, uh, but you got to stick to your gun. Uh, you have to be open-minded in regard to these surrounding yourself with extremely talented people, mm -hmm. whether your own team, hire the best people, uh, and, and, and basically the people who are, have the same passion. They may disagree in terms of strategy, which, which is always healthy, so it's basically be open-minded, uh, uh, expect that people reject you right. continuously, reject right. rejection, move forward, and reach out to people, and ultimately data speaks. Um, of course, uh, you know, data speaks whether you have to slow down or you change your strategy or you move faster. So you've got to be, number one, passionate. Mm -hmm. reach out to people. There are a lot of very good, talented people in the state of Connecticut. I certainly mm -hmm. reach out to a lot of them. One of them is my chairman, 
Mr. Harry Penner, who is an mm -hmm. entrepreneur. So I mm -hmm. reach out to him almost on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So I have a mentor, uh, uh, multiple mentors, um, uh, discuss with the major issues, uh, making sure that the, you have got and received sound input in, in order for you to make it uh, the right decision. It takes time to raise capital. Capital mm -hmm. raising capital is is difficult, especially people of my sort of a type of individuals like us as right. immigrants. Um, right. uh, we it, it has been. I think it's 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 a it's a major issue. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope that investors look broadly to the talents, uh, the the technology, and the team, and the history of what the companies have done, and their CEO and their management team, and invest in the companies like us. And uh, because ultimately we will be successful, we will not we will not surrender. We 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 have a technology, we have good alliance, we are generating good data, and we like to be supported by our local, especially ticket based. Uh, uh, investors. Very well said. And in closing, do you have any other commentary or thoughts about the industry, the company, the state of what? Anything else you'd like to share with our audience today? I think it, uh, my my uh, in in my case, it we we are, and I am personally, I'm lucky to to be in such a such a time because science is evolving, is developing. There are a lot of wonderful. Uh, uh, publications, uh, advancement of the science, and especially in the field of immunotherapy, uh, oncolytic viruses, uh, vaccines. I think vaccines are going to be a major players in the, in the future. Vaccines were sort of abandoned by investors and industry because it was long, it was expensive. Mm -hmm. I think now with this COVID-19 disaster, the value of vaccine and vaccine development, vaccine platform will be uh, well received in the business community as well as the investor community. So uh, I'm so excited about the the, the 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 entire environment of the science, especially, and also uh, being blessed to be uh, 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 collaborating with academic laboratories like Yale, UConn, Brown, and 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 and, and we're hoping to expand the, expand these relationships so we can look into the additional cancer targets. Well, thank you for the masterclass on checkpoint inhibitors. I think today, for people that don't even know what PDL1 is, they'll probably Google it and find that it's a program death ligand receptor one and the role that it plays, of course, in the immune system. But most importantly, one of the things I've enjoyed from speaking with you is that you showcase the brilliance of the technology that is coming from Connecticut. I'm a Yale entrepreneur in residence. I went to UConn. I worked at Pfizer. Like all the different things about that, that's what makes Connecticut truly special. So thank you for that i think that this is the audience and uh um we're gonna wrap up for the day so thank you very again. good thank you very much it All was right. an honor bye bye okay now bye so